Amen. Well, this has certainly been a wonderful, wonderful uh, experience for me. I, I will not presume to speak for the other missionaries, but I know that I do speak for them anyway uh, in an unofficial way. I, am, I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the wonderful cooking tonight. You uh, folks have absolutely knocked yourselves out. We appreciate it so very, very much. And um, I am a little bit prejudiced, but our Japanese couple also brought some food that was really wonderful. I am delighted that we could have some real, genuine Japanese food. And uh, I, I had three. I should have had more. But anyway... I certainly appreciate you ladies for all the work you did in getting that delicious food prepared and set before us. And if anybody would dare to complain, we would banish them to some outer space. <laughs> right? <laughs> Amen. Nobody could ever complain about that meal. That was a wonderful meal. Thank you so very much. I thought before I got started tonight, I would uh, do something that uh, you could uh, appreciate to a degree. Our Japanese couple back here will really appreciate it immediately because they will understand it immediately without any explanation. I had been in Japan for 15 years, so I was uh, the old pro. You know, I knew what I was doing. I've interpreted for a bunch of people. Nobody intimidated me. I could handle the Japanese language, you know. Uh, and uh, so um, no problems at all. I was uh, temporarily pastoring a, a church, the Chofu Baptist Temple, uh, over in Chofu, uh, west of Tokyo. And um, <clears throat> we just uh, had completed our uh, Faith Promise Missions Conference, just like where we, what we're doing here. It was a Sunday morning, and I was ready to take the, uh, have the, I'd already distributed the cards to the people, and uh, was ready to take them up after they filled them in. And so uh, I said, now, just before you fill in the blanks, let's read the card over. And when I said that, I said to myself, you character, you did not read this card with a Japanese, so you can get in hot water. And uh, so I started reading the card, and I came to these two characters. And uh, the Japanese know it right away. As soon as they see that, they know what that says. I expect you wonder what that says. <laughs> but in any event, I, uh, there are 11 or 12 different ways of reading that top character there. just has three strokes in it. And it goes one, two, three, like that. Just three little strokes. But about 11 or 12 ways of reading it. And uh, this one down here is easy. It's going to be about one, one either, it'll either be key or gi, you know. That's about it, isn't it? You guys, are you guys still Japanese back there? <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, I saw that, and I said, Stuggy. <laughs> the, the, these folks have caught what I said already. And I literally said, write your faith promise on your underwear. <laughs> when, 
<laughs> when, the, when the people, some of the people nearly fell out of their seats with laughter. And Japanese never laugh at a missionary. They really don't. But that was too funny. And I did an instant replay in my mind, and I joined them in laughter. Because that's what I had said. And I said, how do you say that? And they said, kaki. I said, thank you. <laughs> it does make a difference how you say things. <laughs> uh, but um, I tell you, yeah, just, just always remember, I said that especially for Brother Andy. I, I wanted Andy to know that he can goof royally later on. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, what are the, hey, Brother Andy, here's a, here's a test for you. When you can get to the point that you laugh at yourself, you're all right. Yeah, I, I remember asking a, a beginning missionary. He is home on furlough for, on his first uh, uh, furlough back home. And I said, you able to laugh at yourself? He said, no. And I said, whoa, you got a little ways to go yet. Because <laughs> you have to get to the point where you laugh. Because you're going to goof it somewhere. If you don't goof it, you're not trying very hard. And I was, but I really was embarrassed because 15 years I knew what I was doing and all, I thought. <laughs> but that's, that's how you can get tripped up by those uh, wonderful, wonderful Japanese characters. All right. Tonight I want to I speak to you on this. And uh, I thought, uh, I knew we were having this international meal tonight, so I entitled the message, Satisfaction Guaranteed. Now, I do believe we were satisfied tonight. If you didn't get in on that meal, you missed a wonderful treat. Um, I want to give you some statistics tonight, just briefly, and so that, uh, and they're a little bit tough, and I sure feel for Julia with all these figures, but we'll get through them and we'll go on our way. The world population sets at just about six and a half billion people. Uh, this is according to the latest um, CIA figures. I just got it out off the internet. It was dated July of 06 and updated October the 5th of 06. And uh, out of that number, excuse me, out of that number, I have, I have um, uh, through different books that I've read, determined that there were about a billion 512 million that could be called Christians in the world. But now let me give you a list of what I'm talking about. The Anglican. You know what, the, what are the Anglicans called in America? Come ahead. Episcopalians, that's correct. Anglican is the Church of England. What was it prior to be, being called the Church of England? What was it? What was it? Catholic. It was a Catholic church, right. Uh, King Henry VIII didn't like the way the Pope treated him, so he said, you're out, bub, and I'm in. And that was a big change. And uh, the Anglicans number 51,600,000. Another group, Baptists, my soul. We have at least 57 varieties of Baptists. No, I mean that sincerely. And, uh, and by the way, let me, let me say this is a very serious thing. You know, at Heartland and at Champion Baptist College, where I've served in both places, every year we have had Bible college students saved. You may say, my soul, that couldn't happen. Well, maybe it shouldn't happen, but it does happen. And, uh, and, I, and I say, 
You know, I mean, look, I know what your pastor's like. Uh, he's a fanatic like I am. We're going to preach it straight. We're going to do our dead level best to get this message across so that nobody can come in here and say, I didn't understand. We'll preach it right from the Bible. And, uh, and yet, and that's the kind of a group of churches that send students to both those schools. And, uh, and still, we will have some who don't get saved until they get there. And, um, and I, don't, I don't know what to do about it. But I'm saying Baptist number 62,800,000 of all stripes and kinds. And there's a reason for my saying what I'm saying. Catholic, 865,500,000. Indigenous, that's churches that are just uh, sprung up in the countries themselves, 30,900,000. Lutheran, 84,900,000. All kinds of Lutherans. Methodists, 25 million. Orthodox, I'm talking about Orthodox, like Russian Orthodox Church, Greek Orthodox Church. By the way, go back in your history. What's an Orthodox Church? Where did it come from? Came out of the Catholic Church, sure did. They split. And, um, and so there you go again. Orthodox, 131,900,000. Pentecostal, 88,600,000. Presbyterian, 46,900,000. Others, we always have to have another. You know, you always have to have that. 123,900,000. Now look, here's what I did. This may not be legitimate, but this is what I did anyway. I subtracted all the Anglicans, all the Catholics, and all the Orthodox. Now that's not t totally fair because there's some saved Catholics. I'm sure there's some saved Anglicans. And I suppose there's some saved Orthodox. I don't know. I've never talked to either Anglican or Orthodox, but I've talked to some Catholics who profess faith in Christ and in Him alone and uh, are not depending upon the Catholic Church or anything like that. So, but anyway, I arbitrarily subtracted all of them, Anglicans, Catholics, and Orthodox, and uh, that leaves us just over, we just have 6,037,000,000 people who need Christ. I mean, that is, that is a horrendous figure. Six billion, 37 million. I don't know. Uh, church, I have, I have done my dead level best to try to get a burden over onto you. Uh, I appreciate so very much what you are doing. I think it is marvelous what the, uh, what the preacher has said tonight. Uh, tomorrow morning you're going to get the exact figure. I think he's mean that way, but then I can't, I can't control him. But anyway, he'll tell you tomorrow morning what the exact figure is. And uh, so um, uh, anyway, uh, church, you are to be complimented for what you have done. But I want to challenge you to do more. I really do. I want to challenge you to do more. And you know when I say that, I'm not saying that for Larry Burgett's sake. I'm not a an active missionary anymore. I am saying that for the sake of the missionaries this church supports and for the sake of these missionaries that are here with us. Brother Lucas is also not here tonight, but he is one of the men that uh, uh, receives help from this church. And all these men need help. There's no question about it. And a whole lot more good missionaries out there that need help. And uh, this church can be blessed marvelously of the Lord if they will just simply... Trust God, 
Ask God for what is His will concerning it. You know, um, I don't think the pastor even has a goal set. I don't think he's got a goal set as to what he wants to raise this, this next year. But uh, he and I have talked just a little bit, and, and I know this is the way I feel very strongly. I, Brother Sam Davison, who just spoke to us there by way of the video, um, I was in his church for six years, and I've seen him operate. I know what kind of a man he is, and he has said this repeatedly to Southwest Baptist Church. People, we're not going to set a goal, but I want every one of you to pray and ask God what he would have you to give. And if you'll give what God says for you to give, I'm going to be satisfied. And that's true. I, I, I say the same thing. And I know your pastor well enough to know that he too will say the same thing. He'll say, I'll be satisfied if you give what God says for you to give. And uh, all of us will be. And I believe that much can be accomplished because of it. But there's a crying, a horrendous need of this uh, over 6 billion people. I mean, if you think, I don't know how you folks feel. You may not feel See, I live down in the Bible Belt area, and uh, so uh, everywhere you go, you know, you run on to people that are saved. Um, uh, Brother Andy and I were out uh, to get the coffee tonight for the meal, and uh, we, uh, a fellow walked up to us and asked us where something was, and he didn't know he was asking two strangers, but we had no clue as to what he was talking about, and said so, and uh, Brother Andy handed him a tract, and he looked at it, and he said, I don't want it, walked off very warm reception <laughs> but that's what that happens doesn't it and uh, you know uh, where I pastored for 11 years down in Cartersville Georgia I, I used to say everybody in Bartow County is saved that's what they'd say anyway living like the devil but they're saved no I mean I'm serious you know I'm serious if you know anything at all about about what I'm talking about you understand me very well there's a there's a a crying, a great and a crying need for us to get the gospel out to the people of the world. The vast majority of the world is going to hell. And that is sad. That is horrible to think about. So um, I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 6. We're going to talk about satisfaction. And I mean real satisfaction. John chapter 6 and let's just read down through verse 14. You've no doubt heard this story many times, but it's a worthy story. It's a marvelous story. And, and John chapter 6, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. You know, there's times when Jesus may ask you to do something, and he knows what the outcome, and he always knows what the outcome is going to be. In this case, it's so graphically stated there. He asked Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, 
saith unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves. By the way, five barley loaves. You know, there's a couple of kinds of flour that is available uh, in the Orient, uh, especially there in the Middle East. Barley and wheat. Wheat is the more expensive. Barley is the cheaper. And these were five barley loaves. And they weren't, you know, my illustration last night, they weren't barley loaves like that. No mother would give a boy five barley loaves like that. She gave him five, I heard a preacher one time say it this way, five Kentucky biscuits. We kind of understand that, you know. And uh, so uh, just little old biscuits, no doubt. And, and they may not have been even that big. I don't know how big they were because five, be, five of them would be pretty good uh, for a, a young fella to be eating. But, you know, they, uh, I think he was going uh, out fishing, but the Scripture doesn't say that, so don't quote me on that. Uh, and anyway, uh, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves, Andrew, uh, Andrew said, and two small fishes. And then he had to say this, but what are they among so many? Boy, I wish he hadn't said that. I really do. But he did because you know what? He's very normal. Just like you and me. I mean, if, you'd have, if you and I had been in that setting, we wouldn't have been any different than Philip who said, well, if we had, uh, if we had 200 penny worth of bread, how, we can't feed all this crowd. And, and uh, Andrew said, we've got five loaves and, and two small fish. Well, what are they among so many? And Jesus said, and I tell you what, folks, listen to me. Listen to me tonight. You and I may say, what have we got? We don't have anything. Or what little we have, what's that according to the need? But I want to tell you something, folks. There is a God in heaven who really does know what he's doing. And he can take what you have and make it multiply. Now, he does. Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number, about 5,000 men are living. Can you imagine? 5,000 men. If you have 5,000 men, don't you reckon there's a few women around? I'd bet on it being around 5,000 women, and I'd bet on some, something else. I'd bet on some kids being around. So, you know, you didn't have just 5,000 men, but you had 5,000 men plus plus, plus, and they were to be fed. Uh, we, uh, you ladies worked hard and no doubt long in getting these meals ready for us tonight, and we only fed how many? Less than a 100, right? What would it be like to feed 5,000? How many days would it take of preparation and so forth? And so they had the men to sit down in number about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks... He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, everybody was filled. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above. Listen to that. Twelve baskets full remained after they'd fed the five thousand plus the five thousand plus the however many kids. The twelve baskets full of, of fragments came back in, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle, and that was a miracle, no question about it, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Wow, what a story. 
Can you imagine 5,000 men plus whoever else was with him being fed from five barley loaves and two fish? You know, <clears throat> this uh, multitude that followed Christ had seen him healing many people. And you know, I sometimes wonder if we don't think similarly. You know, if we, if we see something outstanding, we are amazed at it. I, uh, um, I oftentimes talk to missionaries about going to the foreign field, and, and um, I, I have a graph that I created on um, how a missionary reacts. And over here on the left, where it's just a single line like this, I have clear over here at the left, our culture. And then I draw a line. And then I put their culture. And, uh, and, and on that line I write, fascination. Because when you first go to a foreign country, you're just like, wow, look at this. Oh, look at that. Oh, my goodness. Look how they do this. Wow. They drive on the left-hand side of the road. They, uh, they take their shoes off before they go in the building. They, and all kinds of things. You're just, oh, 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 look at that. And then I, then I change my graph into two lines. It makes a separation. And then I, I draw straight lines out here. There's a few lines underneath and then some more lines here and a line down here. One of those is acceptance and one of those is rejection. And what the missionary does is he bounces back and forth oftentimes between acceptance and rejection. Sometimes he says, man, I can't take it. This just irritates me. Other times I said, man, it's all right. No problem. We can cope with this. And I oftentimes say, if your negatives outweigh your positives, you're going to leave the country. And I believe that with all my heart. I really do. You cannot go to another country and just always and forever be talking about how nasty and how dumb and how stupid they are. If you do, you will finally get on a plane and leave, and they're glad you left. Yeah, they don't mind at all you're leaving because they've picked up on your negative attitude and they don't like it. Um, you know what? Listen, if you think they are peculiar, why don't you go look in the mirror? Oh, I mean that. I mean that sincerely. Every last one of us is peculiar. There's not a one in here tonight that's not peculiar. You're peculiarly unique. And what is wonderful about it is God will use every last one of us but I guarantee you, you know, the, the, people, the people here uh, that saw what Jesus had done, they were just, oh, look what Jesus did. And they were fascinated with him. And they, and they said, you know what, if we stay with him, we might get another meal. Or we might get something else. We might get to see something else happen. They did not, listen to me tonight, they did not recognize who Christ was. They only saw what he did, and they liked what he did, and so... Temporarily, they, th they said, wonderful man, wonderful. They, and, uh, you know, um, here's, a, here's an amazing thing about Jesus to me. Uh, Jesus saw that great company. And if you read the other gospel accounts of it, you'll find that he had great compassion or felt great compassion for them. Now, listen to me tonight. Jesus knows good and well what you and I are. He knows our inconsistencies. He knows all about our idiosyncrasies. He knows everything about us. 
But I guarantee you, this is the truth. Christ loves us. He loves us. He loves us for what we are. He loves us as we are. He urges us to change and become more Christ-like. But He still loves us even as we are. I mean, I could give you illustrations out of the Scripture that show, that prove the love of God for mankind wholesale. There is no question about it. Let me cite one example for you tonight. You remember the city of Nineveh? You remember that they were the enemies of Israel? You remember the man named Jonah? And Jonah was commissioned by the Lord to go to Nineveh to preach. And Jonah didn't like the assignment. And he determined that he was going to go anywhere but to Nineveh. And he got on board a ship and headed the other direction, away from Nineveh. Didn't want to go. And God said, Jonah, I told you I want you in Nineveh. And he sent a storm on the Mediterranean. And the storm liked to sunk the ship. The Lord wasn't going to sink the ship. But, he thought, but they thought it was going to sink. And they, in their own little ways, they cast lots. And they determined Jonah is to blame. And Jonah was in the belly of the... Uh, he was down in the hold of the ship, sound asleep, enjoying himself because he was escaping. But they came down to see him and they said, Hey, Jonah, who are you? Who do you believe in? What God do you believe in? He said, I believe in the God of the heaven and the earth. And they said, Oh, man. That's horrible. And it's an amazing thing. God had prepared a great fish. And, they, and Jonah said, throw me overboard. I'm, I'm amazed that Jonah's saying all this, aren't you? He said, throw me overboard. And they said, no, we're going we're gonna to keep you alive. We'll keep you on, on board. And, and we're going to get through this uh, storm. He said, no, throw me overboard. And the storm will be over. They finally, out of sheer desperation, threw him overboard. The great fish... <laughs> Swallowed him up and took him down to the bottom of the, of the Mediterranean and let him sit there for three days till he get his head, on, head screwed on right. And when he got his head screwed on right, he said, and you'll remember this if you know the story of Jonah, salvation is of the Lord. It isn't of man, it's of the Lord. And it's not of Jonah, it's of the Lord. And you know, you think, hmm. Jonah finally learned. Yeah, well, hang on. Because the, the, uh, I, didn't blame the, I don't blame that great fish for having a bellyache. Do you? Had a disobedient, contrary, Baptist preacher in your belly, I'd get sick too. And he vomited him up out on the shore. And uh, can you imagine how Jonah smelled when he first got out of that? I used to tell it in Japan and said the first thing Jonah did, he went to the Ofuro. That's the bathhouse to you that are unacquainted uninitiated <laughs> that's where you get cleaned up and um, and uh, he went on his way to Nineveh and all he was to do was to preach in Nineveh yet 40 days and Nineveh shall perish and he started walking down those streets I think in his heart he said I don't want to say this but he said yet 40 days and Nineveh shall perish yet 40 days and Nineveh shall perish and miracle of miracles the people of the street heard him they heard him and they listened, and that's all he said. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall perish. And that whole city, from the top man to the bottom man, repented of their sins and confessed their sinfulness to God and were saved. A whole city saved. 
were they worthy of salvation? Just like you and me. Very much just like you and me. I told Brother Hearn today in, in the room, I said, man, I am so amazed at what God has done for us. I said, why in the wide world would he send his only begotten son for us? Why would he, why would he give his best for us and save us? I said, such sinners as we are. Boy, don't ever get an overinflated opinion of yourself. Please, don't ever get an overinflated opinion of yourself. We deserve hell. We really do. But by God's mercy and by God's grace, he has sent his son. And we have heard the message. A fellow like Brother Montoro just said, Hey, people, listen. This is what you've got to understand. And slowly but surely, people get saved. And that's it. I mean, this Japanese couple back here, what a blessing they were to my heart tonight, hearing them give their testimony about how they got saved and everything. I mean, it is a wonderful thing. I mean, and, and, and any race, any people, anywhere on the face of this earth, if they can hear the word of God, can be saved. They can. We've got to get the gospel out. And so Jesus had great compassion on that company. He could not stand to see them there and be destitute, be hungry, be not cared for. And, uh, and I think that that great multitude could, in one sense of the word, represent the, the world population to you and me. You and I ought to have compassion. Our hearts ought to just thump or burn or however you want to express yourself. Uh, there ought to be a concern on our hearts for the people of this world. They're on their way to hell, and you and I are their, their only hope. If we don't do something, they'll go. Because they, they, they cannot do otherwise unless somebody preaches to them. And I want you to notice, that was the setting, and here's the plan that Jesus followed out. You know, uh, Jesus asked Philip what to do about the problem. Philip said, it's impossible. He said, nothing we can do. What I mean, 200 penny worth won't do any good. But Jesus already knew what he would do. And you know what? The proposition that we have given to you in this missions conference here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church, you'd have to reply to us, impossible. We can't do it. And I, I can agree with you. I know. Hey, by the way, folks, let me tell you something that is a real blessing to me, has been a real blessing to me. We were in Japan for years, and Miss um, Nakamura knows who I'm talking about. Brother Saito, when he surrendered to go as a missionary to Okinawa, uh, we were there, and he was our first missionary. Uh, Okinawa was still under U.S. occupation. We hadn't turned it back to Japan yet, and he wanted to go as a missionary to Okinawa and did so. And you know, you know listen, listen, folks, for the first time in our life, we were no longer saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. We were saying, let me help, let me help, let me help. And we got to start sending missionaries out. You know what a blessing that is to be able to send missionaries out? I mean, that's a blessing. That really is a blessing. Because we were, now the Japanese were saying, let's get the missionaries out. They understood what we had done when we came to Japan. Now they're ready to send their missionaries out. And we've, uh, Brother Saito went down there and he stayed, uh, and he's still there. But uh, during that time, of course, as you will well remember, uh, U.S. turned Okinawa back to Japan. Here's the kind of a man Saito Sensei is. Brother Saito is this kind of a fella. He, he uh, wrote back to us and he said, due to the fact America has turned Okinawa back to Japan, I want to change my status. 
I'm no longer going to be a missionary. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to remain here as a pastor. And that's exactly what he's done. But that's integrity. You missionaries are hearing me, I know. You missionaries understand my thoughts. Uh, I, I appreciate a man with integrity. Doesn't just want to have a free ride. And uh, Brother Saito could have gone right on for several more years. Nobody had ever said anything to him. But not Brother Saito. He's a man of integrity. He said, not me. I'm a pastor now. I'll take my support from my church. And he did so, has done so all these years. We've got missionaries down in Indonesia, been there for 30 years, faithfully serving the Lord in Medan, there in Indonesia. I've been there to visit them, seen their work. And, uh, and what a thrill. We've got missionaries now in several countries out of Japan. And, and church, listen, this thing works. And our church is in, listen to me, our church is in Japan. They average around 30 to 40 in number. And we're getting missionaries out. We've got a few churches that are running uh, over 100, maybe 150. One church that I was in this past uh, visit ran, had 209 there that day. And, uh, and man, listen, when the, when the Yokohama Bible Baptist Church started singing that Sunday morning, this guy just fell apart. I mean, I've never heard such beautiful singing in all my life. Can you imagine what 209 Japanese voices would sound like as they lift their voices and sing to the praise of God Almighty? Mm, man, what a thrill. And they voted that day, we're going to expand our auditorium to seat another 70 people. And I said, amen, amen. Let's do it, church. Do it. Now, listen. You know, that, that's exactly what we got to see. And there has to be a plan. And you know, this faith promise giving is a plan. It's a means of getting something done. We've got to get the job done. And um, you may say, oh, preacher, you're just preaching for money. No, I'm not preaching for money. I'm preaching for blessings on you. Now, that's true. I'm pre preaching for blessings on you. As we give and you, as, as we give to God, God blesses us. You know that. I know you know that. And uh, what we need to do is just exercise that right and exercise that privilege and give and let God bless. He will. You know, Philip said, impossible. Somebody might be inclined to say, man, I can't do anything more. Well, you haven't even tried. Have you prayed? Have you asked God what he, he'd like for you to do? You know, do you understand me? I hope you do. Listen, Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but he, will, he wanted to test Philip and see what he thought. He had a plan. He had the means because, because he is almighty God, and he can do it. And he can do it in this church. He can bless this church, and he has blessed this church. And he'll continue to bless this church as long as you'll faithfully follow after his leadership. You'll, you'll get the blessings. You know, Andrew found a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish. But Andrew said, what are they among so many? And that's the normal human response. That's why I've said to you tonight, some of you say, man, what can my little bit of extra money do? But listen, people, if we pull it all together, look what can be done. It can be done. And we need to, we need to, we need to just, like, like, uh, like Jesus said, have the men to sit down on the grass. And you check another passage, of, uh, another gospel, and it, and it says that he had them sit down in fifties and hundreds. He had it organized, had them together, had, knew what was going on. And, you know, I believe that, the, like, just Brother Montoro has invited these missionaries in, and, uh, and 
we've uh, in, invited me to come and do this preaching, and uh, you, he had to organize it. And we organize it, and then we expect God to bless. And he is blessing. Did he not bless last night? Did you notice the invitation? I sure did. And I, I guarantee you, God blessed. And God can bless tonight, and God can bless tomorrow morning and tomorrow night. God can continue to bless, and I believe he will continue to bless Open Door Bible Baptist Church. I really do. But we need to, we need to understand, though, that that's exactly what's expected of us, to put this thing together in an organized fashion and do something with it. And so, uh, like I said to you earlier, 5,000 men besides women and children, what a tremendous undertaking. Hey, listen, folks, what is the power of God? Five barley loaves and two fish. And he feeds 5,000 people plus the women and the children. What is that power? I mean, that's astounding, isn't it? To think of, of, the, of the tremendous power that he has. And the miracle there is in verse 11, of course. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he dis distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Hey, listen. Jesus prayed over the food. You know, tonight, before we ate our meal, pastor prayed. Thank God for the food, and then we partook. How many of you, when you're out about in the town, sit down to a meal? Do you take time to pray? Do you take time to bow your head and pray? You should. You know what I do when I am in a restaurant and I see somebody else bow their head and pray? I oftentimes get up and go over to them and say, Thank you for praying before you ate. And then get acquainted with them and encourage them to be faithful like that. Boy, listen, we want to be a testimony wherever we go. And Jesus set the pace. Jesus prayed before he broke that bread. And, uh, and then he, he distributed that food to, the, to whom? To the disciples. Did the disciples believe that Jesus could do it? They didn't act like it, did they? You know, Philip said, what, can, what good will this do? Well, even if I had 200 penny worth of bread, what could I, how could I feed this gang? And Andrew, in spite of the fact he found that little boy with five barley loaves and two fishes, he still said, well, what are they, these among so many? But Jesus bowed his head over the five barley loaves and two fish. Then he broke and distributed, and he used those unbelieving, do you understand me? Those unbelieving disciples. He did. Does he ever use you and me when we don't believe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. Because there's times when we don't believe either. Hmm? Are you with me tonight? Yeah, we, that's us, isn't it? It's impossible. No, it isn't. Not with God, it's not impossible. With you and me, it's impossible. But not with God. He, and he used those disciples. That's why God still is using people. That's why God is still using you. If you'll submit, he can still use you. Some of you ought to become Sunday school teachers. Some of you ought to take on some responsibility. Some of you need to surrender to preach. Some of you need to surrender to be a preacher's wife, a missionary wife, and, and so forth and so on. There needs to be, I hope the day comes. I really do. 
I hope the day comes when out of Open Door Bible Baptist Church, we got a real crew of men working. I mean that. Um, boy, listen. I remember, I remember back when Brother Roy Thompson started Cleveland Baptist Church. Got that thing just going. Because he was a year behind me in school. So I was uh, ready to go on deputation when he was just getting started. We were still meeting in the school building, if you ever heard about that. And I went up there and preached for him in the school building. And then, and then I preached for him later times, of course. But you know, you remember where Roy Thompson came from? Akron Baptist Temple. Wonder how many preachers they put out. Pastor, do you know how many? Do you, do you have any idea? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it. Akron Baptist Temple was marvelously used of God. And all, all Dallas Billington was was a Kentucky hillbilly that went north and went to work for, a good, for was it Goodyear, Firestone? I forget which one. Goodyear, wasn't it? And, uh, and got a burden for the people of Akron and started the Akron Baptist Temple. And here Pete Montoro is, and here's Brother Mickey and Brother Gary Lucas and a whole host of more people have come out of Cleveland Baptist Church that if Dallas Billington hadn't done what he should have done back yonder and lived by faith and trusted God for, by faith and went ahead and did something, you men wouldn't be here. This church wouldn't be here. See? And you say, and, and you know, you may say, impossible. I, I can't say this with any great authority, but I wouldn't be surprised But what Brother Billington in the beginning days said, wonder what I got myself into. Now, you would never t detect that after he, after he was running strong. But I guarantee you, he is a man too. And I know that Roy Thompson must have felt the same way when he started Cleveland Baptist Church. Man, oh man, what am I trying to do? Ask your pastor. I'll bet he said to himself, boy, what am I doing here in New York City? I don't doubt it at all. Brother Mickey, have you ever said, what are you doing in Kenya? I bet so. You can't help it. We're frail. We're fragile. We feel that way. We really do. But then we rebuke ourselves and say, but God is able. And that sticks us on because God is able. And what is so marvelous is he uses the disciples even when they don't fully understand what he's doing. I just am amazed at that. I mean, Philip and Andrew both saying, I don't know what we can do with this. He says, come here, fellas. Praise over that food and starts breaking it. Can you imagine the experience of those disciples standing there in front of him as he's breaking those five loaves and he just keeps breaking and just keeps breaking and just keeps breaking? And they, they start carrying it away and they say, where's it all coming from? And he just keeps breaking and they distribute to all those 5,000 men plus women and children. And then he says, go out and pick up the fragments. We don't want anything left. Twelve baskets full of fragments come back in. They didn't even start with twelve baskets. They didn't even have one basket. What can God do with the church? What can God do with the people that will say, Go ahead, Lord. I don't understand what's going on. Go ahead and do it. Please do it anyway. Just help me to find out that you can do it. You know? And that's how we serve him. We really do. Jesus does perform miracles. He still uses you and me. I mean, he really does. I'm still amazed. But I tell you what. I mean, listen. Did um, Brother Kim? Where's Brother Kim tonight? Where is he? Did he leave? 
Brother Ken, where's that rascal? I swan him. He's not in here. I'm going to fuss at him. Boy, I'm going to fuss at him. But when, when these folks walked in, I mean, I, I had just said to Brother Kim, I wonder when that Japanese couple is going to come. I said, man, I can hardly wait. And uh, he said, I don't know, probably Sunday morning. And, uh, and we had no, no longer gotten that out of our mouth till I lifted my head, and here they walked in. And I mean, did I jump up? I mean, was I happy to see you guys? I didn't even know you. But still, was I happy to see you? I sure was. Man, I said, Hajime Mighty right. Because, I mean, my heart is still thrilled in seeing Japanese. It really is. And I knew these people had already been saved. And so it's a special thrill to get to see them like this. Man, listen. Uh, I tell you, God is able, people. God is able. One of the thrills of my life is to stand in a Japanese church and preach in Japanese and give the invitation and see people come to be saved, come to dedicate their lives to the Lord, come for baptism, whatever it is. I tell you what, there's nothing like it. Man, is there, Brother Mickey? Do it in Kenya. It's a thrill to your heart, isn't it? Brother, Brother Montoro? Feels good, doesn't it? Amen. Brother Andy? Yes, sir, buddy. I guarantee you, listen, there's nothing like it. And who are we? Brother Mickey, who are you? Who am I? Who are you, Brother Andy? Who are you, Brother Pete? We ain't nothing. You hear me? I mean that. We're nothing. God is the one who blesses. God gives the increase. God takes that nothing and makes it into something. And that's what can happen in this missions conference right here. I mean, did you notice that they all ate until they were filled? That's satisfaction guaranteed. Preacher's boy, I forget your name right now. What's your name? Andrew, yeah, Andrew came to me and he said, think I over it. And I poked him in the belly and said, don't do that. <laughs> and I know, I know that's one youngin that's satisfied. And uh, he, he got satisfied on that food. But I'm going to tell you something tonight, folks. You can be satisfied on Christ. Christ satisfies. He really does. What a blessing. When Jesus provides the food and it is received, the person receiving it is always satisfied. Always. Remember the woman at the well? Did he satisfy her? He said, if you ask of me, I'll give you living water. She said, sir, you don't have anything to draw water out of this well. How are you going to give me any water? He said, if you'd listen to me, and hear what I'm saying, I said, I'd give you living water. And you remember how her, her life changed because of having met Christ. And I still say tonight, without any shadow of doubt in my heart, if you have met Christ, your life is changed. And if your life is not changed, you haven't met Christ. That's it. No question about it. But I have a question for you again. I, I bugged you a little bit last night. I'm going to bug you a little bit more tonight. I don't know what you're doing, so that's, that's why I'm free to bug, okay? <laughs> Are you receiving the Word of God daily? You know what I'm saying? Are you reading the Word of God daily? You need to. You need the Word of God daily. You need, you need two or three chapters every day or more. 
You really do. If you're not getting two or three chapters a day, you need to fall on your face somewhere and say, Lord, help me. I'm going to start reading the Word. I'm going to get, I'm going to get the strength out of the Word because it's there. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, I want to thank Thee tonight for Your blessings upon us. I want to thank Thee for each one that has turned aside from what they could have done on this Saturday night and came to Open Door Bible Baptist Church. I am so grateful that they've all come tonight. And I pray that You'll bless and guide and direct in their lives and pray that You'll help them as they've heard the Word again tonight. I pray that You'll give to them great faith an understanding that the Lord is able to make their contribution mean something toward this world's salvation. I know, even from my own personal experience, that what we give is not all that much, but yet at the same time, every bit counts. And we believe with all of our heart, even from this story tonight, in John chapter 6, that you're able to take the practically nothing and make it into something grand and glorious. And I pray that you'll bless Open Door Bible Baptist Church, bless each member of it, bless everyone and help them to be faithful to thee, and pray that you'll give to them a burden on their heart that they might trust thee to, do a, to give as you would have them to give this coming year for your name's honor and glory. Thank thee, dear Heavenly Father, for everyone. And I pray tonight before I finish praying, that if there's a need in a heart and life tonight, if there's been a heart of unbelief and a heart feeling like I can't do anything more, dear Lord, would you help them to understand that they can do more? And I pray that you'll give them the faith to do that. Maybe a young man, young lady here tonight might be a middle-aged person who says, Somehow I feel the tugging of God on my heart for preaching the word or for becoming a preacher's wife or a missionary wife. I want to be involved in full-time service somehow. May not totally understand what it is, but I pray that you'll burden their hearts for it, and I pray that you'll help them to respond according to your will. Help them to know that they are nothing, but thou art everything. And I pray that if there's one here tonight, that does not, has never yet come to know Christ as his or her personal Savior. Please, dear Lord, move on their hearts. Touch their hearts. Help them to understand the great and crying need of their life to know Christ in the full forgiveness of their sin, pardon of sin, and a home in heaven. Lord, would you please burden their hearts and bring them to a saving knowledge of Christ tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet, if you would, please. If you need to come forward tonight, I want you to do that. Do 